Welcome to the first Sunday of the new year. Everyone said Happy New Year. It's good to see you here today. And uh, we're launching a new seri- series that we're uh, calling Barriers. And uh, we're going to be uh, dealing with a different barrier each week uh, this month and perhaps into February. Uh, hopefully I can finish this one today. I already can tell that I'm going to have a hard time getting through my notes. But uh, we're talking about barriers between you and your relationship with God. How many would like to go into a new year with a stronger relationship with God than you've ever had before? And so we're going to be dealing with barriers, things that, that keep you from having the strong relationship with God that you'd like to have. And, and I really do believe if you made the effort to be here uh, at uh, the 10 o'clock service on Sunday morning, then you do desire to have a right relationship with God. And I've got good news for you. If you desire to have a right relationship with God, that is the first step in the battle. You've already made the first right step. And so we're going to deal with several things here. We're going to, today, it falls my lot uh, to teach on the subject of carnality. Everyone said carnality. You don't hear that phrase or that word used real, real often in church settings anymore. You used to hear it a lot, but it is a biblical word. And, uh, and so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 1. If you have your Bible, you could turn with me there physically. It is on the screen. Uh, this, to me, is, is a passage of Scripture that, that you really should have highlighted in your Bible. You, if you don't have any markings around this passage of Scripture... Uh, you should get a pen. You should get a highlighter. And, and by the way, uh, I, I do think that you should have a Bible that you write in and that you mark in. It's good to go back and, and, uh, and to remind yourself of things that, uh, that the Lord put on your heart when you were reading. And, uh, and so this is a very important passage of Scripture to Christians. Now, all of the Word of God is important, but this is very specific for people who consider themselves to be children of God, Christians in particular. And so, uh, and, and what makes this so interesting to us today is this is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, and the Corinthian church was notoriously carnal. They were Christians. They, they came to church. They, uh, they worshiped. They did all of those things, but they were a carnal congregation. And so Paul was dealing with a congregation of people, he wasn't writing to uh, necessarily sinners. He wasn't writing specifically to backsliders, but he was writing to people who considered themselves to be Christians, but they were carnal. And this was a barrier to them having a right relationship with God. And, and so let's begin with 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual... So I can't talk to you as though you're spiritual because you're not, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. And so even though you've been Christians for a long time, I still have to preach to you. I still have to teach you and write to you as though you're newborn babes in Christ Jesus. It's as if you just heard the gospel. It's as if you just responded to the gospel and you still have no strong maturity in the Lord. How many want to be mature in your relationship with God? And so he says in verse 2, he said, because of this, I have fed you with milk. Isn't that a, a powerful analogy that Paul 
is drawing here to, uh, to babies in the Lord and not with me for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able. How many like to have uh, listen, I've had some friends over the years who were vegetarians. I know Brother Blish is starting a no red meat diet. In Jesus' name, I rebuke that right now. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. But, you know, meat is very important. Not only is it delicious, praise the Lord, glory to God, hallelujah, but it is important to your health. And, and so what Paul is saying is, I, I had to feed you with milk, and you're not able to grow into the maturity that you need in Christ if, if you can only handle, if you can only digest milk, but you need the sincere meat of the word, but you're not able to bear it. He said, if I try, how many know if you give a baby meat, if you give them a steak when they're just a little baby, that's, that could, it could harm them. In fact, it could, it could do irreparable damage. And so he said, yeah, I'd like to, I need to, I realize that it's important that you need to grow in the Lord. And to do that, you're going to need some steak once in a while, but I can't do it because I realize you can't bear it. Brother Blish is nodding his head. He wants some red meat right now. But you're not able to right now because you are yet carnal. Someone said carnal. For whereas there is among you, now here's the, here's the proof, here's the evidence that carnality was running rampant in the Corinthian church. Because there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Now he's, uh, he, Paul's kind of being a smart aleck there and he's asking a rhetorical question. How many, how many don't like it when somebody asks you the question you know the answer to and it kind of stings a little bit? That's what he's doing. You know you're carnal and you walk as men. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. In other words, there was division in the church. There were people, some people wanted to, uh, to follow Paul specifically, and other people were puffed up because they had come up under Apollos. And, and he said, there's all these divisions and strife and arguing, and there's people who are, uh, they're looking to, to build themselves up, and they're building their own reputation. And he said, and all of these are because you're carnal. Here he asks another rhetorical question. Are ye not carnal? Verse 5, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. In other words, it doesn't matter who preached the gospel to you first. If they preached the true, unadulterated word of God, we're all ministers of the gospel. And, uh, and we're all in this thing together. How many know we're all in this thing together? It's not about Brother Ryan. It's not about Dr. French. It's not about Bishop. It's not about you. It's about all of us being in this thing together. You're my brother. You're my sister. And we're going to make it to heaven, whatever we have to do. And so we have to lay down envy and strife and divisions and stop worrying about uh, who's the one that preached first and who did that first and who should get the credit here and who should get the credit there. You know what I think we ought to do once in a while? Just forget about credit altogether and give the glory to God where it's due in the first place. And so Paul says, I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He basically just said what I said, but even more eloquently. He said, uh, you know, I've worked and he's labored in another area, but it's God who brings all, it's God who works all things together for good. It's not me, it's not you. We labor in the harvest field, but it's God who does the work. Someone said, praise the Lord. 
So then neither is he that planted anything. And so we can't we can't allow ourselves to become prideful or puffed up because listen, you could lay hands on somebody with cancer right now and watch them be healed of cancer in front of your very eyes and you could not take the credit for it. You could lay hands on a blind man who had been blind from the day of his birth and God could heal him in that moment and you could not take the credit. You could try to do it, but it's God who gives the increase. It's God who works the miracle. It's God who deserves the glory. And by the way, we have to be very careful that, we, that when God does begin to do things in our lives, how many want God to anoint you let me want the anoint the anointing's not just for a preacher everybody ought to walk in a measure of anointing you ought to you ought to pray that god would give you an anointing where you could pray for the sick and they would recover it doesn't just have to be for a prophet to do that you ought to pray that god would answer your prayers and that you would have the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man and a righteous woman. But you have to be very careful that if God begins to answer your prayer, if God begins to use you, if God begins to anoint you, that you do not allow yourself to become prideful and think that it's anything that you've done. It's all got to be for the glory of God. Someone say praise the Lord. And so Paul is talking to carnal Christians. Now, I want us to just define uh, the progression of healthy spiritual growth because I want us to understand what carnality is. So healthy spiritual growth begins, uh, I don't have it on the screen here, but it begins as a sinner, let's say right there. How many know that we're all born into sin? Nobody's born righteous. Uh, We're all born into a sinful world and so we all are born with a sin problem and so so someone who has a healthy spiritual progression will go from a sinner they'll hear the gospel repent be baptized in jesus name and they will receive the gift of the holy ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues that's what the bible refers to we often call it the new birth or And the reason for that is that's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said that uh, you must be born again of water and of the spirit. How many believe that today? And so it's an analogy. And that's exactly why Paul continued with the idea that when when you are born, when you have a birth, how many know that you have a baby? Amen. Everybody awake. So so you're, you're not a baby isn't born mature. Praise the Lord. It's, it's a little baby who needs a lot of care, a lot of love. By the way, if, if you consider yourself to be a Christian today and you don't love people who are new to the faith, people who have just experienced, by the way, they're babes in Christ. Uh, that's an analogy, but you understand what the Bible's trying to teach us, that you ought to love those people. You ought to care for those people. You, you, you can't try to... Force feed them steak and potatoes. You've got you've to understand that they may not be everything that God wants them to be yet, but they're still growing. Is this okay? And so you have to give people room to grow, time to grow. You have to give them a healthy environment to grow in. Children have to be given a healthy, loving environment. They need to have a safe environment or they will not grow to maturity in the physical and in the spiritual. And so healthy 
Spiritual growth begins with the new birth, and then it's a new baby, but then there's usually an in-between. I think of it sometimes as like spiritual adolescence or, uh, you know, spiritual teenagers where immature, maybe not a baby any longer, but, but still growing. They're not stuck there. They're still trying to go from spiritual adolescence, and they're trying to make it to full-grown spiritual maturity. And then finally, if we will walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, we can go to a place of spiritually being spiritually mature. That doesn't mean that we're perfect, by the way. Amen? We're never going to be perfect in this world. We're only going to see uh, perfection when we make it to heaven one day in glory with the Lord. How many know it's only Jesus, our perfect Lord and Savior? All right. And so here is the progression of spiritual death. Unsaved to saved to carnal. And this is what happens to, to many Christians. They, they go from sinner to saved. And the progress we just talked about, new babe, uh, maturity. And then sometimes... If we're not careful, all of us, by the way, are susceptible to coming to a place of being a Christian, but carnal. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was talking about. The problem with being carnal is that carnal people are usually teetering on the brink of either becoming, going back to a place where they're growing in the Lord again, or they're teetering on the brink of backsliding completely. And you can be carnal and just, and some of you aren't going to like this, but you can be carnal and just barely saved. Can I tell you what my experience is as a preacher of the gospel? When I see people who walk in full-blown carnality, it's just a matter of time before they slip off the edge and they walk in a completely backslidden and unsaved condition. I don't know about you, but I do not want to allow myself to get into a place in this new year where I I'm just barely making it to heaven by the skin of my teeth. I want to be completely sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to be completely unashamed of the gospel. Praise God. I don't want people to have to wonder. I don't want people to have to come to my funeral someday and wonder whether or not he just squeaked his way into heaven. I want people to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is dancing with the Lord on streets of gold. Carnality is a dangerous place to be. Someone said it's a dangerous. And there are different levels of carnality. And we don't have time to get into all of the different levels and stages. But let's just define the word carnal pertaining to or characterized by the flesh or the body. Or sometimes we might say the physical man. It's passions and appetites. Sensual, carnal pleasures. Uh, Not spiritual. Someone said not spiritual. You can come to church and not be spiritual, human, temporal, worldly, a man or woman of secular, rather carnal leanings. Now, I really wrestled in my spirit about doing this, and I I don't know if I'm going to get through all of these. This is what happens when uh, I have a whole week of vacation and I study and read my Bible through it. I have too many points when I come to teach. And so I really wrestled with the Lord. I said, Lord, it's the first Sunday morning back, and, and some of these are going to be hard. But uh, I, I, one of the things about having a podcast here at Apostolic Tabernacle, how many know we have a church podcast? It's, very, it's circulating worldwide right now. We have people uh, in China that regularly 
download our podcast, and we were teetering around 35,000 downloads a month or so, something like that. Sometimes more, sometimes less, but it averages to about 35,000. That's wonderful, and we have a lot of positive things that come back from that, and I've shared some of those with you. But the humbling thing about having a podcast is you often get a lot of negative feedback as well. It's amazing how when people don't see you face-to-face and they're just writing an email or something, they'll say what's really on their mind. You know, email and text messaging lets down inhibitions, and people will, will say what they really mean. And so one of the things that I, I'll get regularly is I heard you talking about carnality, or I heard you talk, but you never defined what it was. You just left it vague. And so I, I took that to heart, and I was praying about this, and I knew this was going to be my subject for the new year. I just defined it and boiled it down to real-life things. And so, so we're just going to go through these as quickly as I can. I wish that I had time to attach scriptures to every one of these. I have Bible for every one of these points. If I did that, we would be here till 9 o'clock tonight, and you'd want to stone me and throw me out of town. But uh, we're going to go through these as quickly as I can. I'll throw a few scriptures in to kind of make my point. And some of this, by the way, is more than just milk. This isn't baby food right here. Everybody understand what I'm, about, what I'm saying right now? Some of this is steak. Some of this is prime rib. And if I make you hungry, that's okay. And so you may have to digest this a little bit. You may have to chew on this a little bit. It may not be as easy as you'd like it to be. Number one, you might be a carnal Christian if going to church is a low priority in your life. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, I can't help it. I don't even have notes and I'm still going to quote scriptures to you. Your activities at church regularly consist of only one day a week or less. Church is a low priority. You are more comfortable around sin than you are around righteousness. Mm, I may get stoned anyway before it's over, but I'm going to keep going. You regularly make fun of, laugh at, or become angered by righteousness or spiritual things. Can I just pause and tell you that if people who have convictions, now you may not share their convictions, but if people who have convictions towards that lean towards righteousness, if it angers you or if it causes you to want to make fun of them, then you need to get in a prayer closet and pray until you can value. Paul spent an entire chapter in the book of Romans talking about how we need to be very, very respectful of other people's convictions. Even if you don't share their conviction, you should certainly never make fun of their conviction. And it should not anger you. It should not provoke you to wrath, the Bible says. Praise the Lord. You might be a carnal Christian if... Nobody look around, by the way. Don't do any finger pointing or anything. Remember, when you point, there's four pointing back at you, or three anyway, unless your thumb is doing something strange. You might be a carnal Christian if you have no personal spiritual disciplines like prayer, Bible reading. How many believe in prayer today? You know... I asked a couple people this week, what, what are your New Year's resolutions? And, and uh, you know, people get real into that. And, and I, had, I was surprised how many 
people that I've asked this year that said, I haven't made any New Year's resolutions. You know, every Christian should begin, well, really, you should do it all the time, but this is to be a good time for you to make a, a New Year's resolution. I am going to pray every day, every day, every day. I'm going to read my Bible every day, every day. I didn't, I'm not saying that you have to read your Bible for an hour or, or even two hours, but you know what? If you just get through one verse... It would bless your life. One verse a day, 365 days a year would change your life. Prove me wrong. It would. Bible study. Bible memorization. By the way, we, that's what the psalmist was talking about when he said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. He wasn't just talking about reading. He was taking it to the next level. He was literally talking about, I have memorized the word of God. I have put it, I have committed it to memory. I've put it in my heart so that I might not sin against thee, O God. We really should make an effort. Witnessing is a spiritual discipline or fasting, fasting, fasting. Or you might be a carnal Christian if you become angered by preaching like this that challenges, convicts, corrects, rebukes, or even nudges you a little bit. You know, there's some people that if the preacher even just nudges something you don't like, I mean, even if they just barely touch it, it just sparks off anger inside of you. That's a very dangerous place to be. Listen, I'm a preacher. I've been preaching for 10 years. I've been in full-time ministry for eight years, and I still need a preacher every once in a while to preach right into my spirit. I still need the convicting word of God to change me, rearrange me, transform me. I'm telling you, there is nothing like the preached word of God to shake us out of carnality, to shake us out of a bad direction. Every once in a while, we may not be intentionally trying to sin. We may not be trying to do the wrong thing, but sometimes life just messes us up and turns us around and beats us up. And before you know it, we're walking in the wrong direction and we don't even realize it and we need a preacher. Mm. We all do. Every one of us. There's no one in this room who doesn't need that once in a while. And if we allow a carnal attitude that constantly, constantly becomes frustrated and angry at the preached word, uh, preaching, I'll tell you, we need to have an open spirit to the preached word of God. You might be a carnal Christian if you dislike worshiping. And not only do you dislike worshiping, but you dislike other people's outward demonstrations of worship as well. I'm going to tell you, we need to fall in love with worship in this new year. We need to get the spirit of David. I like, I like what Pastor said at, at David's funeral yesterday. He said when they, when they talk about dancing like David danced, they were talking about David Dove. So ever, sometime this year, some of you need to just dance in the spirit and do it for David. Say, I'm going to dance like David danced. I'm going to give God my very best praise because he's worthy. Some chains can only be broken when you praise God. Some barriers will only Some barriers will only come down when you shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Some of you will never see those walls of Jericho fall in your life until you learn to open up your mouth and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Some of you will never see victory in your life until you learn how to worship with abandon. To pour yourself out with worship. 
To quit worrying about what the people behind you think. To quit worrying about what somebody's going to say about you. And say, all I'm worried about is seeing the Lord high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filling the temple. You can touch the hem of his garment. I said you can touch the hem of his garment. I'm telling you, Jesus doesn't have to show up here in the flesh. The train of his robe is filling this place right now. And you can reach out and touch him. And you can be made whole. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Moving on. You don't want pastoral authority or advice. You may or may not say this verbally, but you feel it inwardly. You know, pastoring is more than just preaching. How many know that's true? And I, I'm not a big fan of the phrase, that's, that's my preacher, because a preacher is not necessarily a pastor. Did you know that? To be a pastor is a very specific calling. There's lots of preachers who aren't pastors. You need a pastor in your life, not just a preacher. You will only do things for God that others will notice and applaud. You are unwilling to do small, menial tasks, not only for God, but for other people the church, and God's kingdom in general. How many want to do great things for God? You know what's going to happen? You're going to start out in a, in a sheep field like David did. That's many times what happened. We all want to go straight to fighting Goliath. We all want to go straight to, to having that anointing that everybody knows about, but it doesn't work that way. It's going to begin with faithfulness in small things, and you may have to kill some lions that nobody knows about, and you may have to kill some bears with your bare hands, and everybody may not be singing your praises, but God is looking in the secret places of your life, and he knows what is happening. Amen. You might be a carnal Christian if you regularly give in to temptation. And get tripped up by the same sins over and over again, even after repenting. You might be a carnal Christian if you live on a steady diet of worldly music and entertainment of all kinds that promote, glorify, and justify sinful activities. That'd be a good time to say amen, preacher. You will not listen to godly advice even from close family and friends. I'm leaving ministry out here because many people will first, they'll tune ministry out. And then they'll still listen to godly advice from their close circle of friends. But when the progression of backsliding gets very strong, they even begin to tune out godly advice from close friends and family. Praise the Lord. Now let me show you something. I'm going to go back here. I don't have this on the screen. The Lord woke me up early, 5 o'clock this morning, uh, and directed me to Psalms chapter 1 and verse number 1. If you have your Bible, Bible, grab it real quick and turn to Psalms chapter 1 and verse number 1. It's just six short verses and it's powerful. The Lord just put this on my heart this morning and I knew I was going to make this point. Let's look at it quickly. If you have it, turn as quickly as you can. Blessed. How many want to be blessed? Let me tell you how to be blessed. You want to have a blessing right now? Here's how to do it. Blessed is the man... That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Notice the progression of backsliding that's outlined here. You begin simply by listening to the counsel of the ungodly. You may not realize you're doing it. it can, did you know that music is giving you counsel? Even the things that you watch and listen to, the things that you read. I'm not just picking on audiovisual. The things that you read are, are giving you counsel. You can read a dirty novel and you may not realize it, but it's giving you ungodly counsel. 
You're feeding yourself with that. And so it begins with just listening to the counsel of the ungodly. You're just filling your mind with ungodly counsel. But then it progresses to a place you never thought you'd do it. But you've been listening to ungodly counsel for so long that now you're standing in the way of sinners. You find yourself going to places, hanging out with people, doing things you never dreamed you could do because you've been listening for so long. And then, it doesn't take long as the progression continues that you're sitting in the seat of the scornful. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. You get to a place, you know, that's a very specific word, that word scornful. You get to the place where you begin to mock the things of God. You get to a place, you ever see somebody that, that, uh, that they leave the church they leave, and they, they laugh at the things of God? They're sitting in the seat of the scornful. It breaks my heart. I'm not trying to be cruel. It, it literally makes me want to weep when I think of friends that I grew up with that now they are so lost. Their, their lives are being ripped apart. Sin is literally wreaking havoc on their lives And yet still they look at righteousness and they laugh and they mock and they point their finger in derision. And yet their life is crumbling all around them. I want to tell you, I want to tell you what the answer is. Run to Jesus just as fast as you can and say, Lord, I surrender everything to you, God. I'm withholding nothing. Verse 2, but his delight, talking about a righteous man now. How many want to delight in the right things? You know, bluebell ice cream is good, and I delight in it. But you need to delight in the law of the Lord. And in His law doth He meditate day and night. Now, listen, you can't just turn what you enjoy on and off. Or you can't just wake up one day and say, well, I just don't like chocolate anymore. It's not going to happen. And uh, if you don't like chocolate, there's something wrong with you. Praise God. Touch him in Jesus' name. And if you haven't discovered Bluebell ice cream yet, then you have, ooh, I'm praying for you that the Lord would help you. You need to know it. You need to enjoy it in moderation, hopefully, or maybe not. I rarely do. So you can't just change your delights. It's not just like a button that you can turn on. You can't just say, I don't like fried chicken anymore. That would be crazy as well. It's not just something that you can change. But, and so when it comes, you know, we're born into this sinful world. And we, we're born with predispositions because we're programmed towards sin. Because of the fall, we're genetically programmed towards sin. And so uh, in, in this world, we're constantly struggling. We're constantly having to die daily. That's something I say over and over again because Paul said it over and over again. It's, it's always a battle that we're fighting. But can I tell you? How you can change your delights, meditate in the law both day and night. If you want to love the things of God, you better meditate in the law day and night. Day and night. When you can't sleep, get in the word of God. When you wake up in the morning with worry on your mind, get in the word of God. When you're struggling and weighted down with temptation, open up the word and Feed your soul with manna from heaven and you will begin.
begin to find that your desires change. The things that excite you change. You'll find that you begin to rise above things that used to destroy you over and over and over again. When you get in the word day and night, day and night, day and night, you will find that you grow and grow and you'll have spiritual power, spiritual mm, anointing. That only comes from being in the word daily, daily, daily. How do you fill your free time? How about the word of God? That'd be a good thing. And the man who does this shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Notice that. The picture that the Bible paints of a righteous man is a steady, steady person. Someone who's faithful. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. How many want to prosper today? Get in Psalms 1 and 1, 1 through 6. That's the secret to prosperity from the word of God. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Notice that so much of this is about relationships, 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 relationships. So much of it is also about a mindset. Someone, someone touch your head and say, it's, a, it's about what happens in my mind. It's a, the battle happens in my mind. And, and backsliding begins and carnality happens in the mind. It's things that you begin to think about and, and the things that delight you. It's the things, what, what, is it that, what is it that you find yourself dwelling on? Now, we're human and there's going to be evil that pops into our minds. We can't help it. We're surrounded by evil. Evil is marketed to us on a daily basis. People are trying to, to sell us things. People are trying to get into our wallets by enticing us with evil. That's the culture that we live in. We can't escape. We're in this world, but yet we're not of this world. And it's a dichotomy that's constantly pulling. It's constantly tugging at us. And, and until we make it to heaven one day and see David again, we're, we're not going to be able to escape that. But we can get in the word of God and allow God to change what we love. Oh, There's something about the word of God. It's so powerful. It's so powerful that when you allow it to, stand with me, I'm done. When you allow the word of God get deep in your spirit, it will change you and rearrange you in powerful, powerful ways. You cannot walk in the spirit without constantly allowing the word to be activated in your life. Could we lift up our hands and say, Lord, I, I want to walk in power. I want to walk in might this year. Could we do that? Let's cry it. Jesus, I thank you for your word that gives us life and not only life, but life everlasting God. I thank you that your word is given to us for our own strength, for our own salvation, God, but not only that, so that we could have life and life more abundantly, Lord. We love you and praise you. I pray that in this new year, that you would raise up generations of individuals who would be sold out for the gospel. Lord, that we wouldn't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. But God, that we would be completely dedicated to your kingdom. I'm thankful for everyone here today. I pray that you would bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them, God. 
Touch them, I pray. Touch their families, their homes, their finances, Lord. I pray that you'd touch their health, God. Place hedges of protection around them, I pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Someone said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you.